0: Amen. Holy Spirit, come and fill this place. That needs to be our prayer as far as our heart. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to Romans chapter 12. We're also going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So go ahead and put your finger in both of those places We're in a study that we've entitled Spiritual Gifts. We're going through all the spiritual gifts, uh, the not the foundational gifts, but we're going through the gifts that are still active within the church today. And today we want to look at the gift of leadership. Now, we're looking at spiritual gifts. Now, remember, spiritual gifts are special gifts that are given by God to all believers. If you're here this morning and you have been saved, God has given to you a gift or gifts for you to be using right here in Fairview Baptist Church for the edification and building up of the church, the body of Christ. For the church to be effective. Listen now. For the church... To be effective, for Fairview Baptist Church to be uh, effective in this community, in this uh, county, in this state, in this nation, in this world, for Fairview Baptist Church to be as effective as God wants it to be, then everyone must do their part in exercising the spiritual gift or gifts that God has given to them. Listen, no matter how insignificant you may feel, If you are not using the spiritual gift that God has given to you, you are causing Fairview Baptist Church to be less effective than what it was designed by Christ to be. So in Romans chapter 12, verse 8, but let's first of all look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me go there first to kind of clarify what these spiritual gifts are for. And how Paul talked about these spiritual gifts and he related them to the body. So yes, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 first. 1 Corinthians 12 beginning with verse 12. For as the body is one. Now he's talking there about the physical body. He's going to equate the physical body and all the various parts that God has given to it for your spiritual body to be effective. He's going to relate that to the church. For as the body, your physical body, is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being made are one body. So also is Christ. Now he's talking there about the body of Christ, the church. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Now if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, am I not of the, is it not of the body? Is it therefore, uh, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole uh, body were hearing... Where would the smelling? But now God has set members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. Now, that's the key. As it has pleased him. In other words, God gave you the spiritual gifts that he has given to you because he knows you. He knows what you're able to do. He knows the areas that he has gifted you in. So you can't just say, well, I want the gift of leadership. And start trying to be a leader. You are going to fall flat on your face. You can't just say. Well I want to be a Sunday school teacher. And if you're not gifted with the gift of teaching. You are going to fall flat on your face. God has given the spiritual gifts. What's it say here? According to what he wants. And how he wants. As it has pleased him. Look at verse 19. And if they were all one member. Where were the body? But now they are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. In other words, there's no one gift greater than the other. There's no one gift smaller than the than the other. They are all necessary for the body of Christ to work and be effective as God designed it to be. Now, therefore, uh, so far, we've looked at the serving gifts, those being the gifts of service. As you remember, we, ca- we talked about the gift of service, also called helps, the gift of giving, faith, exhortation, and mercy. Now we move to what is called the speaking gifts. These gifts are designed for the church to be effective in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They include leadership, discernment, wisdom, knowledge, teaching, pastor, teacher, prophecy, and evangelism. And we'll look at all of those. Now let's first look at the gift of leadership. Now you can turn back to Romans chapter eight, Romans chapter eight, but keep your finger there. First Corinthians 12. We will come back to it in a moment. Romans chapter 12, verse 8, he says this. As he's speaking about spiritual gifts, he says this. He that ruleth with diligence. Now, a lot of people don't like that word ruleth. It makes it sound authoritative. You know, I'm in charge. I'm ruling. Listen, if you have that attitude, you don't have the gift of leadership. Okay? The gift of leadership understands I am serving the church. I am serving the church, but Romans eight, says there, you know, he that ruleth with diligence. Now flip back over to one Corinthians twelve twenty eight. I'm gonna make you use your Bible this morning, okay? Romans twelve twenty eight. Look what he says there. And God has set some in the church: first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, help. Now I want you to see one word there: governments. See the word governments? To understand this gift, we have to understand the definition of the terms that are used here. Ruleth and governments. Okay? Now, the ruleth simply means to lead, to manage, to have charge of. To oversee or to direct. That's what ruleth means. It means to lead. It means to manage a group of people. It means to have charge of a group of people or to oversee certain ministries. Now, it also says with diligence. That simply means with speed, with haste with, with haste, with earnestness, with enthusiasm. So a leader understands I've got to manage this, this uh, ministry that God has given me. I have to be overseer of this ministry that God has given. And I've got to do it with speed. I've got to do it with haste. I've got to do it earnestly within my heart. One aspect of the gift of leadership is that of haste. Who's a good leader? Someone who recognizes... Recognizes a need, who acts quickly and gives it a hundred percent. One in the position of need or leadership needs sees a need. They meet that need and they meet that need right now. One with the gift of leadership don't call a committee meeting. They say, well, I've got a decision here to make. I, I better call a committee meeting. And I, or no, Neither do they get everyone's opinion or worry that his decision is going to hurt someone's feelings. Then half-heartedly seek to resolve a problem. You see, a leader quickly acts, and a leader gives it his best. Let me, let me give you an example, you know, of this. When uh, I pastored at, at my last church over at Little Flock, and I, I know Tina's going to remember this, Karen will remember this, Brenda and Jimmy will remember this, but, you know, when I first went there, you know, although all of y'all wasn't there when I first went there, but anyway, I hadn't been there probably but less than a year, probably six months, not long enough for me to make a decision. You understand that, okay? But anyway, the baptistry heater did not work when I got there, Okay? And, you know, it was coming up on wintertime, and I said, you know, guys, don't you think we ought to fix this baptistry heater, you know, because we was having people saved. But they said, okay, uh, in a business meeting, uh, we'll appoint someone to go get a price on a baptistry heater, okay? So, the next business meeting, we appointed someone to go get a price. Next business meeting next month, I said, okay, under old business here, did you get a price? I I forgot, I forgot to do that, okay, but I'll have it by the next business meeting, next business meeting, guess what, no information on a Baptist reader, well, in the meantime, we had a little lady, Miss Bradbury, y'all remember Miss Bradbury, sweet little old lady, she was saved, and I mean, she was, thought she was saved, but you know, she had attended church for a long time. But she was up around eighty years old in her upper seventies or eighties when she got saved, and she wanted to get baptized. And I said, "Well, look, the heater's out right now. Now it's into the winter time. You understand?" And I don't care. I want to get baptized, Miss Bradbury. That water is going to be cold, baby. I don't care. I want to get baptized. Bless her heart, she come up out of that water blue. Now I'm not joking. She was blue, and we had done gone two months without a report back on a baptistry heater. So you know what I did? I got on the phone the next day, and I ordered one. I ordered one. So come up the next business meeting, and and the guy said, uh, well, I've got a a price on a baptistry heater. I said, too late. It's already back there. Well, you don't have that right you, you, who gave you permission to buy a baptistry heater? I said, Miss Bradbury, when she turned blue. You know, we, I said, we can go on month after month after month, or we can act because there's a need. And folks, that's what a leader does. When a leader sees a need, the leader meets that need. He don't have to call for a committee meeting. He or she don't have to get everybody's opinion. Well, what do y'all think we should do here? No, a leader sees a need, they move with haste, and they solve that need. The idea here in Romans 12, 8 is that God has placed those within the church body to lead and to direct with speed, earnestness, and enthusiasm. Those with the gift of leadership, they see a goal. They direct the people to that goal. They energize the people to obtain that goal. And will, will, will all decisions a leader makes be popular? Trust me, no, they will not. No, they will not. Will, will a leader be popular when they make these decisions? No, they will not be popular. But a leader understands that one day I'm going to stand before God to answer for how I carried out that gift of leadership that he gave me. I don't answer to the people a leader understands. I'm ultimately going to answer to God one day for what I have done with this gift of leadership that he has given to me. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, we see the word there, governments. We see the word governments. That word simply means properly or someone who steers or guides a ship. Figuratively, it's speaking here of the divine calling which empowers someone to lead in the affairs of the church. You see, the word government basically means the same thing as ruleth, but it has a unique unique meaning of one who steers a ship. One who steers a ship. One who stands behind the helm, excuse me, and steers the ship in the direction that it is supposed to go. You know, I, I started to throw up a a, a picture here of the of the helm of the ship I was on back in 72 and 73, and, uh, you know, show you what it looked like. Although, you wouldn't recognize it probably, Chad. We had a gyro compass we had to go by. You know, I, I doubt the ships you was on had a gyro compass. Oh, they did? Okay. I don't know when they got to the GPS stuff, but I'm sure they all with GPS now. But you see, the one at that helm, he watches that gyro compass. He has, uh, there's charts out there, and they have, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the destination, and you have to watch that gyro compass, and you steer the ship wherever the, you know, the destination is supposed to be according to that gyro compass. And folks, that's what a leader does within a church. And that's why it uses the word government there. It it has the idea of one who steers the ship, the one who is at the helm of the ship, the one who knows the destination, and one that keeps it on course. You see, leadership is the ability to see an objective, formalize it, mobilize a group of people, and then get them to reach that objective. That's what a leader does. Now, there's two aspects of leadership. First of all, management. You know, a leader is able to manage people. And the second thing is mobilization. So after you are able to 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 mob, uh, manage the people, then you mobilize the people and you get them involved and active. It's not enough for a person to simply manage people. A true leader, leader has the ability to then mobilize the people to reach an objective that's before them. You know, there's times that, and I've seen this in my over 30 years of pastor, and there's times I've seen people with the gift of leadership, but yet they may lack administration or administrative skill. They're strong in mobilizing people but as far as managing it and and the administration end of it, they're weak or vice versa. A person can have this gift and be great at organizing and putting together, yet they don't have that ability to mobilize people, to get people excited about doing it. This would sound like a gift only the pastors or the elders would possess, but pastors and elders should possess this gift but it's not a gift, I don't believe that's just limited to them. Let's look two dimensions of leadership here first among um, among church leaders all right that would be pastors elders overseers however you want to phrase them there first timothy 5:17 says this let the elders that rule There's that word again. A lot of people don't like that word. Let the elders who rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. I like the way the New Century Version put it, so I put it up there for you. The elders who lead the church well should receive double honor, especially those who work hard by speaking and teaching. You see, in fact that elders and pastors rule or lead the church assumes that God would give them the gift of leadership. You know, I don't think a pastor cannot have the gift of leadership. I think a pastor, you know, must have that gift of leadership. If not, You know, he's going to get run all over, okay? Because he's going to always be worrying about, well, if I make this decision, I'm going to hurt that person's feeling. If I make this decision, I'm going to hurt that person's decision. Boy, this group is really going to get upset with me. You know, oh, no, this group, they're going to probably leave the church. Look, a leader cannot worry himself about that. A leader understands, I'm going to answer to God, this is what I feel God is leading, this is what I feel is best for the church as a whole the church as a whole. Uh, Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. The fact that elders and pastors rule or lead the church assumes, again, that God would give them that gift of leadership. So Hebrews chapter 13, I want to look at three verses there. It says that pastors and elders have the oversight of the church in their care. You know, here's here's what uh, verse 7 says. Verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember them that have... There's that word rule again. That just sounds so authoritative, doesn't it? Let them which have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. You know what? This may be a reason that many uh, many churches never grow because many people are not willing to follow the one that God has placed in the position of leadership. Now look down at verse uh, 17. Obey them. There's that word rule again. Don't y'all just hate that word. Obey them that have rule over you. Now look at this. And submit yourselves. In other words, the church body is supposed to submit themselves to the leader of that ministry of which they are a part of. Okay, if that person is leading according to the Spirit of God, uh, we'll throw that in. For they watch for your souls as they must give account. Who will they have to give an account to? God, God, that they may do it with joy. You know, one of the most difficult things to do as a leader is to make decision have people get upset with you, and you can't have joy in the position that God has given you. Okay? What's he say here? But given a, they give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for it is unprofitable for you. In other words, if you're not following the leader of the ministry that you're involved in, If you're not following the the, the leadership that God has placed over you, what's he say there in verse uh, uh, 17? (laughs) It's unprofitable for you because you're expected to. You're expected to. One other verse. Look at verse 24. Salute them that have rule over you and all the saints. Look, what many people don't understand is that a leader must have the well-being of the organization as a whole as the primary concern, not one group of people or not any certain individuals. A leader will many times make decisions that are not popular with certain groups. A leader will make decisions many times that's not popular, you know, with with certain individuals. But he must ask himself, he or she must ask himself, is this what's best for the organization? Is this what's best for the organization? Is this the direction that God is leading me as the leader to take this ministry? So a leader must ask themselves that question. Why? Because as a leader, I will be held accountable to God, you know, for the church as a whole and how I lead it. Therefore, a leader must look at the big picture that others do not see. Listen to me. Whether you are a leader of the children's church, whether you are a leader of children's ministry, whether you are the leader of the mission ministry whether you are the leader of the music ministry or any other ministry within the church, you're going to have to make decisions and it's not going to please everyone. But you have to make a decision for what's best for that ministry that God has placed you over as a whole. As a whole. Okay? That's that's what we understand here. But a strong leader is going to make those decisions. And here's food for thought. Here's food for thought. Those under the leadership, look back up at verse 17 of Hebrews 13 there. Look back up there. For those under the leadership of those in that ministry, obey them. If you're going to be in that ministry, if you're going to be under that leader, then obey them. And what's he say? And submit yourselves to them. Because they're watching over your souls. They're trying to do the best they can for that ministry that's a part of this body of Christ. So this church as a whole can be effective in what God wants it to be. Now, again, keep reading there. Because they must give an account to God. They must give an account to God. That they may do it with joy and not grieve. For it is unprofitable for you. In other words, listen to me, listen to me. If you are not going to be submissive to those in the leadership position of the ministry that you're under, then quit it. Ooh, ooh. Leave that ministry if you're not going to be submissive to that leader. Let me say this, and those, those that... Uh, you know, or leadership of various ministries within the church, I think they would tell you this. One thing I am not is I am not a micromanager. You know, I believe Glenda will tell you that the Houston Homeless Ministry, do I pretty much give you free reign on that? You know, I tell her, you make the decisions. I go, but I tell her to make decisions. Children's Church, you've never seen me walk out there and say, all right, are y'all doing this the way I want done? No. You're the leader, you do it the way you want. Children's ministry, do it the way you want. Have I ever come out there on Wednesday nights, Lee, and told you I don't like the way you're doing this? No. You're over it, you do it. Okay? You know, I do tell Debbie what to do with the music, though. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, because I want to go home at night. But look at here. You know, I tell her, "It's it's your thing. It's your thing. Do it. I'm not going to micromanage. Now, I do like for those that's over these certain ministries to keep me informed. Because ultimately, I'm going to answer to God for the decisions you make. Are are you with me? So keep me informed. But I'm not going to tell you how to do something that you've been placed over to do. So a good leader. They're going to make those tough decisions. Even when it's not popular. Popular. Okay, and those under those ministries, you can't go along with the leader. Vamos. Okay, just go out. Look. So I believe the gift of leadership does belong to pastors or overseers, but does it end there? Some feel like it does, but I don't think it does. I don't think it ends with with uh, uh, you know just the church leaders. I think it's among the laity too. Here's what I mean by that. There are many ways the gift of leadership is used by the laity. In prayer groups, if we have certain prayer groups that, that meet, you know, and that there can be a leader of that prayer group. In fact, there needs to be a leader of the prayer group. Home Bible studies, there needs to be a a, a leader over those home Bible studies as far as the laity goes. Heads of committees, they need a leader over that committee to keep things organized and to keep things going. It's always been God's plan that out of the laity would come other Leaders. In Exodus chapter 18, Moses chose able men out of the laity and made them rulers and leaders over the people. In fact, here's the way it's worded in Exodus chapter 18. And Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds. Rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. And folks, that's the way it works in the church. The pastor is the leader of the church as a whole. Okay, but you have leaders over the children's ministry. You have leaders over the children's church. You have leaders over the music ministry. You have leaders over all these various things. And that's the way it's supposed to work. That's the way it's supposed to work. You know, this is an area I see many, if not most churches, failing today. Whether you believe it or not, there are many pastors out there with big egos, okay? Who think they must lead everything in the church. And without their anointed hands, okay? If not, without their anointed hands on everything, God's not going to honor those ministries. That's a bunch of hogwash, okay? That's a pastor with a big ego. In most cases, God could do greater things in the church if the pastor would just get out of the way, if the pastor would just get out of the way. Look, he can't do it all, and that's why he must surround himself with those who possess the gift of leadership, turn it over to those, let them loose, let them leave. Again, keep me informed, keep me abreast as I'm going to give an account to God one day for even your decisions, okay? But go out there and lead. Go out there and get her done. Just get her done. You know, it's the one thing that drives me crazy It's a person in leadership who is constantly talking about what needs to be done but never getting anything accomplished. You know, if that's you, you may want to Get out of the way and let a true leader come in there and get some things done. Let a person with leadership, the gift of leadership, get something done. Now, the third thing is this the diligence to act. The diligence to act. What did it say? He that ruleth with diligence. You see, with diligence, that simply means with speed. Get it done. Again, don't sit back and talk about it. Don't sit back and get opinions about it. You know, just if it's a need and you see it's a need, you're the leader, get her done. Get her done. You see, one aspect of the gift of leadership, again, is that of haste. You know, what is a good leader? Again, it's someone who recognizes a need, acts quickly, and gives it 100%. One with the gift of uh, leadership, again, doesn't have to call a committee meeting, doesn't have to send up opinion balloons, doesn't have to get everyone's opinion and worry about this decision is going to hurt someone's feelings, or uh, then half-heartedly seek to receive, resolve the problem. Just go out and do what you're gifted to do. So the gift of leadership, it's the ability to see an objective, to formalize it, to mobilize a group of people, and then get them to reach that objective. That's what a leader does in its most simplistic form. Leadership is not an easy responsibility because there are people who react negatively to what you do or what you say. Sometimes you have to stand alone in making decisions. In fact, I'll take that a step further. Most of the time you will stand alone in making decisions. Leadership is not an easy responsibility because there are people who act negatively to what you do or what you say. Sometimes you just got to stand alone. Sometimes you got to alienate people or you're going to alienate people and you're going to create hard feelings. But again, don't try to be a leader unless God has gifted you in that area. Because if you just say, well, that's a prestige thing, but I'm going to rule over this committee or I'm going to rule over this ministry, You know what you're going to do? You're going to fall flat on your hiney, okay? And you're going to cause more trouble for the church than good, than good. Let me close with this thought. If you're saved, God has blessed you with a marvelous gift. And not only has he given you the gift of eternal life, but he has given you a gift to be used while you're here on this earth, you know, for his honor and his glory in the local church. But if you're not saved, God has two gifts waiting for you this morning. If You're here this morning. You've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, save yourself. If you've never given your heart and your life over to Jesus Christ, this morning he has two gifts for you. The first gift he has is the gift of eternal life, where you're going to spend eternity. And once he gives you that gift, he's going to say, let me tell you, I got some more goodies here in my goodie bag, you know, and he's going to give you some spiritual gifts. I believe everybody's got more than one. Okay, that's just what some people believe you only get one. No, I believe everybody's got more than one. So he says, now that you're saved, I want you active in the church. I want you being a part of the body of Christ now that you are a part of the body of Christ. And here is your part. Here is your part of the body of Christ. Now get busy and activate it and activate it. So if you're here this morning, you're not saved. He's got that gift of salvation waiting for you. And he's got a special gift for you to use right here in fairview baptist church right here in this local church so what about you are you saved this morning has there been a time in your life to where you've asked jesus christ to come into your heart and save your soul if not we want to give you that opportunity this morning to do that here in just a moment we're going to have a song of invitation and what a song of invitation means it means we're inviting you to come to christ We're inviting you to be a part of this body of Christ here at Fairview Baptist Church. But if you're here and you are saved, but you say, you know what, I hadn't really been doing nothing for the church. I haven't been, you know, using my spiritual gift within the church. Then I think you may want to make a commitment to God today to begin doing that. Because if you're not doing what God has gifted you to do, this church is suffering And if this church is suffering, then the body of Christ is suffering. All because you're not doing what God has gifted you to do. So maybe you need to be at this altar this morning (laughs) making a fresh commitment to God, to that gift he's given you. Let's pray.